Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lee Cutler disappeared on Saturday, October 20th, 2007. When a person disappears without a trace, often the most critical information is hidden in their actions and words from the days before they vanished. Lee Cutler's last known whereabouts may hold the clues to what happened to him. I miss you. I love you and I want you to be home. You're loved. If you don't think you're loved, you're loved. A mother's youngest son disappears into thin air, leaving behind a trail of disturbing evidence. After you find a note like that, you think that maybe it was a suicide. But nobody can find this boy. Had Lee been in the area that we searched, we would have found him, but there was nothing. And foul play is a chilling possibility. A chance of a kidnapping or an abduction has to be ruled out. With new clues only complicating the case, Loved ones are grasping at straws. The fact that there's no sign of him gives a lot of power to the possibility that he was just trying to set everybody up. We do not know what happened to Lee Cutler. It's a mystery. Friday, October 19th, 24 hours before his disappearance, Lee Cutler heads to school, just like any other morning. Stevenson High School is enormous. There's over 4,000 students, but it was a little tough. I think you can get lost in the crowd much easier at a, at a bigger school. There's a lot of pressure within that school. I first met Lee when I was going to my freshman year of high school. When he was a junior, this is what I heard in school. He'd come over, and if he saw that you weren't happy or anything, he'd poke you. Or he'd come over and he would hug you, you know? He was just like that kind of a person. At the beginning of his senior year, Lee isn't sure what he wants to do with his future. His prospects weigh heavily on him. He really just wanted to make the people he loved around him and the people he cared about happy. He knew that it would still hurt them to not see him go off to college. Lee is undecided about going off to school. I never had like a, a solid conversation, like what are you gonna do? 
He answered not in depth, kind of like, yeah, I'll figure it out, you know? After school on Friday, Lee is heading to a childhood friend's 18th birthday party. Lee's mom, Beth, and her closest friend will also be there. Friday, we were all at a birthday party, and Lee was there, and Beth, and my family were all there. Penny Clowbridge and Beth Frazen feel they have known each other their whole lives and refer to each other as sisters. Penny works as a private investigator, but Beth never dreamed she would have to make use of Penny's investigative skills. And they were serving things with meat, and Lee's a vegetarian, so they ordered him um, sushi. When I first met Lee, I looked at him and I felt like I was back in my day. <laughs> I'm from the 60s, so. At the party, there is no sign that trouble awaits the very next day. He looked like he had a good time. You know, everything was fine. And then after dinner, he was outside and he was playing hacky sack. And they were talking and laughing. I had left to go home and I was getting ready for bed. And I had my pajamas on and he came into the room. And he says, Mom, can I sleep over a friend's house? And I know all of his friends. And I asked who and he told me who. And I said, okay, but you need to call me. When I say call, it means call at night and call the next day. You know, I'm a mom and I, I, I worry. He says, okay, Mom, I love you. And he hugged me. And he hugged me for a long time. And you know, you never, th you never think about these things, but it was longer than usual. Lee spends the night with his two best friends. A naturally social boy, Many people think of him as their most trusted confidant, but Lee himself does not share his feelings readily with others. Lee attends to his friends. He's there for them. If somebody's having a problem, he'll show up at their window at two in the morning. From what I understand, he never, you know, spoke to his friends about, about the, his problems that he was facing. I'm not sure how he coped. At times, I think he felt like guilty if he was going to spring his own hurt as well as his own joys upon other people. But for the most part, he tried to keep his emotions to himself. During the sleepover, nothing seems amiss to friends. But investigators come to find out that later that night, Lee is privately reaching out. Around midnight, Lee starts texting a close friend. He had sent text messages to friends indicating that he was having trouble communicating. He didn't feel that he fit in. And so those kinds of things could be all seen as negative thoughts. Lee's friend receives his texts, but doesn't think there's anything to worry about. She tells police that she knows Lee can get stuck inside his head too much, overanalyze. She tells him that everything will be fine. This is the last time she hears from him. Lee and his two friends spend the night playing video games and going to bed late. It's an average Friday night for these high school seniors. I didn't hear from him at night, you know, so I called his cell phone and I left a message. And then I fell asleep. Lee is notorious for sometimes calling and sometimes not calling. And in the morning, I called and didn't hear from him. And then I kept on calling. And That following morning, Lee had drove Alex home before Lee had said he was heading to work. So Alex was the last person to see Lee. Lee is a responsible kid. And as the hours pass, his mother, stepdad, 
and older brother are becoming increasingly worried. I text message him, and then I, I decided I'm going to go to the mall because I knew he was working. He worked at Rock America, which is a store in the mall. It was definitely his sort of place. He had a lot of Grateful Dead shirts and a lot of just old classic rock shirts. So I went to the mall and I went in the store and his boss was there and I said, is Lee here? And she said, no. And I went, what do you mean? She says, well, maybe he thought that I meant to come in to start working at five o'clock. And I, like my stomach just dry. I had this such a weird feeling. And I said to her, well, if he shows up, please call me right away. And I said, and I'm going to call you at 5 o'clock. As Lee's mom struggles with her growing anxiety, she turns to her closest friend. I got a phone call from Beth on Saturday, the 20th, that Saturday afternoon around 2 o'clock. And I remember this vividly. She goes, Penny, I haven't heard from Lee since last night. I'm really worried. What should I do? Lee's family waits desperately to see if Lee shows up for work at five o'clock at the mall. Five o'clock couldn't come fast enough, and five o'clock I called her right on the button and he wasn't there. When she discovers he's not at the mall, Beth has a mother's intuition that something is terribly wrong. Nobody has heard from Lee this Saturday, but his friends are not yet concerned. Lee's girlfriend, Autumn, still believes Lee is at work at the mall and his friends all know that Lee often likes to set off on his own, to think, and to meditate. I figure maybe he was just at work and had his phone off or something. Maybe it had died because he'd been out all night and day before. As day turns into evening, Lee's mom, Beth, and stepfather, Barry, become more frantic. Beth started calling his friends, and they said that they're going to the bowling alley through his Jewish youth group um, around 8 o'clock at night. So Beth and Barry, around 8 o'clock, went to the bowling alley and waited for him, and he never showed up. In ninth grade, Lee founded a local chapter of a Jewish youth group called B'nai B'rith Youth Organization, or BBYO. He became president of the boys' chapter and spent tons of time planning activities. Lee's cousin, Rabbi Ross Shapiro, understands what BBYO meant for Lee and his personal sense of spirituality. While he probably wasn't sure of where he wanted to go with religion, he was certainly very sure that he wanted to be a Jew. Many observant Jews wear a yarmulke, or kippah, as a reminder that God is watching over them. Lee has come to wear a yarmulke every day. I mean, to wear you know, a yarmulke in public, you really have to believe in yourself and in your religion. And uh, I think BBYO kind of activated that pride for him. When I was freshman, I really liked Lee, so of course I wanted to see him. But he also said, like, if you really want to see me as a different person, come to BBYO. He felt like in that setting, he felt very comfortable. He felt like he could take charge and fully be himself and not have to be so reserved and quiet. But Lee doesn't show up at the BBYO event. It's something that normally Lee would never miss out on. This is the last signal Lee's mom needs to raise a red flag. I immediately called the police. Lee Cutler was called in as missing by his mom on the 20th of October, 2007. It was about 9.40 in the evening on a Saturday. Beth Frazen is obviously very concerned because this was uncharacteristic of Lee to just leave without telling someone. What might have been a simple story of a teenager not phoning home is quickly escalating into an endangered missing persons case. 
Buffalo Grove is a uh, upper middle class suburb of Chicago, uh, approximately 44,000 people, quite a bedroom community, majority of it residential, highly rated schools and park district. We have a very low crime rate. It's very rare for us to have a, a missing persons case like this. The investigation begins late on Saturday evening. By 11 o'clock at night, Lee's friends are starting to get concerned. All of his friends knew all of his little places that he liked going to, and they checked all that out. Lee loved talking to truck drivers. He'd go to the Oasis and sit and talk to truck drivers. And he also liked going to a parking garage, and he'd sit there and just think. Lee's friends scour his favorite spots for any sign of him, but they find nothing. Police are also searching for clues. We did go through his belongings in his bedroom. We didn't have any indications there that he had packed things for a long trip. Friends had told us that from time to time he does go just for a drive. And that was our initial indications that maybe he did do that. His friends went to the gas station where they think that Lee went to. And one of the attendants said, oh yeah, we saw him about 10 o'clock this evening. If Lee was at the gas station at 10 this evening, only a few hours earlier, he could be nearby and not the victim of an abduction. Being a private investigator, I thought, well, there might be something there. And it turns out we got to the gas station, the speedway, and I said, do you have some type of a surveillance camera that was been taking pictures? And they said, well, yeah, but they couldn't do anything until the manager gets in. It's late, and Lee's family and friends are anxious to learn as much as they can. We're talking about 2.30 in the morning already, and I'm just like, well, can't you call them? <laughs> I would have, but Buffalo Grove police were there. And so I had a step back. The next day, the family learns that the surveillance footage has already been erased. But an employee at the gas mart did see Lee Cutler. It turns out that it was not at 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. It was during the day. It was in the morning. This means that his last known whereabouts were not just a few hours ago at 10 p.m., but almost 16 hours earlier at 10 in the morning. This is a huge letdown for Lee's loved ones. From what they can piece together, he dropped his friend off at 9.50 a.m., drove straight to the Speedway gas station, and disappeared. You know, that's not Lee. Sometimes he'll leave for the night, but he'd come home or he'd call Beth and let her know, but not like this. But those close to Lee know that he relied on writing to work through his feelings. He definitely was the kind of person who enjoyed writing down his emotions. That was his way of letting out his day and not letting it out to other people, but letting it out for himself to see. He was the kind of kid who always had a book with him at all times. Clockwork Orange, I think, was his favorite book ever, he said. He was also a big fan of Catcher in the Rye and Into the Wild and Harry Potter series. The writing, the meditating. Lee is an introspective kid who feels the weight of the world on his shoulders. Lee was just like a hippie. He wanted everybody to be together and be happy, and he was truly searching for that in his life. Lee was an anxious kid. He would get a little nervous about things. It is this anxiety that causes police to rethink the case. Normally, if an adult goes missing, the law does not get involved. 
If someone's an adult and they go off on their own uh, and no crime's been committed, there isn't a criminal case there. Lee turned 18 on October 2nd, only two and a half weeks before his disappearance. If he did choose to leave on his own, he certainly has the right to do that. But this time, it is Lee's darker side that forces police to view this case as something potentially life-threatening. See, Lee is an adult, and because of that, usually you cannot get an adult on one of these watches, at least for 24, 48 hours. In this case, because he had some negative thoughts and there was uh, indications that there could be a suicidal tone to this, that met the criteria for an endangered missing child over the age of 18. At that point then, a teletype message to all area police departments was sent so that they would be at a lookout for him. Lee had first shown signs of suicidal tendencies a year and a half earlier. His mother believes it was prompted by a relationship that was more than young Lee could handle. Lee's first girlfriend, I really like her a lot. They were like puppies together. I know they loved each other. Lee met his first girlfriend when she was a junior, and Lee was a freshman in high school. When she was going to go away to college, she said to him, you're going to come visit me all the time, and I want to marry you. And he says, you know, I, I can't do that. I'm in school, and I can't, you know, I love you, but I can't. And he broke up with her. Lee's mom says she should have known then that the breakup was affecting him deeply. What I had heard was that Lee had, had brought a knife to school and, and threatened to commit suicide. I got a phone call that um, Lee was going to kill himself in school. They took him to the hospital um, on a snowy day, and he wanted to get out so badly. I remember the hardest part was he said, Mom, I have to get out of here. And I said, you know, I can't let you out of here because I'm not sure that you're going to do harm to yourself. And I love you too much to have that on my shoulders. And he was mad. Lee's family members now view this event differently with hindsight. I think now I wouldn't have made the same mistake in just kind of letting it be. It kind of became secretive. Sometimes it's funny the things that, that you're trained to see in, uh, in people who are not your family, you can miss when, it, when it's your family. When Lee comes out of the hospital, he continues seeing a therapist. I think when he was going to his therapist, he was just going along and kind of um, humoring, maybe. After that, I think our discussions were maybe a little bit more shallow. I think that the system kind of failed him. He wasn't opening up and he wasn't doing his part. Having him in the hospital, I don't think that he really got a whole lot out of it. He, I, yes, he did. He got a fear of if he was to relapse, he would fear that he would go back into the hospital. I mean, he tried to control his anxiety on his own, and, and I guess it was just too hard for him. Perhaps Lee's text messages from the Friday night before he went missing are serious cries for help, and his thoughts of suicide are resurfacing. Growing up hard, you know, it's hard feeling like you belong and feeling like you know what you want to do in your future. I could see the struggle inside of him. Despite the bond between mother and son, for the few months before Lee's disappearance, 
Beth had actually not been living in the same home as Lee. She had been staying with her mother, who had recently been diagnosed with cancer. But the separation was too much for Lee, and he asked his mom to move back in. That was really stressful for him to be away from his mother and with his stepfather because he's a lot more closer with his mother. Lee and stepfather Barry do not always get along. There was tension in the family. His stepdad was volatile. Barry was not a nice person to either of the boys. Barry wasn't a very faithful person, so he would tell Lee about that. He felt so in between, because the only thing Lee wanted is peace. He didn't like turmoil in any part of his life. Lee's personal history causes family and friends to worry about the possibility of suicide. But a solid lead will take the case in a whole new direction. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On the very first night that Lee is missing, family and friends search Lee's room for any possible clues. They find something intriguing. Something is missing. We had like a huge stein that had money in it, and which is probably anywhere from five to $800. It's gone. $500 could get a kid a long way. It's a possibility that he knew 
that he was going to leave and he needed money. Police in Buffalo Grove are following every lead and every possibility they can think of. We did get the cell phone records right away. There was no activity after about 12.20 in the morning on the 20th. Detectives attempt to trace his cell phone. In this case, his phone being off or out of batteries, it wasn't giving a signal to any cell towers, so we weren't able to use that as a clue to where he had gone. And no new information is turning up. Nothing came of any of those bulletins or those additional calls to the friends. Suddenly, 42 hours after Lee is last seen, there is a major break in the case. A deputy in rural Wisconsin spots Lee's car, 177 miles from home. On October 22nd, at about 3.40 in the morning, one of our deputies who was on patrol came across the vehicle which was in the wayside. He ran a registration check on the vehicle. It came back as being a missing person out of Illinois. That was the first time that we've heard the name Lee Cutler. Once the deputy found out that the vehicle listed to a missing person, he contacted Buffalo Grove Police Department. The investigators looked at the car and they found nothing in there that would indicate any type of foul play to them. There didn't look like there's any struggle in there. The car was parked properly, it was locked up, it was secure. His mother told me that they had found Lee's car in Baraboo, Wisconsin. I was happy for the good news, but also very nervous because I had no clue where in the heck Baraboo was, why he would be there. It was very scary. More mystery. I was just, you know, praying that uh, he was still alive. The deputy sits and watches the car from afar that night, in case anyone returns to it. Early the next morning, Lee's mom and stepdad decide to drive up from Buffalo Grove. They are desperate to find Lee alive. Through the initial investigation, they expressed interest that if we locate him to do a Chapter 5115 evaluation, which is a mental evaluation on him, just to make sure that he's mentally okay. Detectives know that time could be a fateful factor for Lee Cutler. Captain Kevin Fultz initiates a major ground and air search with the Baraboo Fire Department and the Sauk County Sheriff's Department. More than 50 people out here throughout the whole search. With the fixed-wing aircraft, we put an officer up there with the pilot, and they were able to see down the rows of the corn they could see to the ground. With the helicopter, we had a FLIR unit on it, the FLIR is an infrared object that's used to detect different temperature objects. The heat of a body that comes off a body would obviously be detected very well with a FLIR. As cops fan out across the area, officers quickly spot signs of Lee Cutler. We located what I would call a makeshift campsite. Lee's family identifies the belongings as Lee's. Distraught, they get in front of a local news camera to plead for his return. This is breaking my heart. I love you so much. I have a void in my heart. It's just killing me. If you don't think you're loved, you're loved. You're loved. Your friends love you. Your parents love you. Your neighbors love you. That's it. While family and friends stand by, there is still no sign of the missing boy. And what investigators find at the campsite is highly disturbing. 
There was a box of portocedin, a empty container of Advil PM, and a couple bottles of water. The Advil PM is over-the-counter medicine that Lee has been taking for years. Lee had a little bit of a problem sleeping. According to the American Medical Association, an overdose of the ingredients in a bottle of Advil PM can cause extreme drowsiness, dehydration, stomach bleeding, and kidney failure. Ingesting a bottle of Advil PM could lead to comatose, or even death. Recreational use of coracetin can cause hallucinations and disorientation. If combined with Advil PM, the AMA considers coracetin extremely hazardous, doubling the chance of heart failure. He told me he would take pills to fall asleep, so... Generally, if they just said they found it, it wouldn't have been so alarming, but the fact that they said they found it with no pills besides one near it, that's what was alarming. Not 10 feet from where Lee's belongings and the empty bottle of pills are found is the icy cold Baraboo River. Captain Fultz decides the depths of the water itself must be searched. A dive team is brought in. There are plenty of obstacles in this river, making it a very difficult river to work for our dive team. The team was able to use a side sonar, underwater camera, and then when they had to, they put officers or divers into the water and searched around these downed trees. The obstacles in there could cause a body to, to hang up. They don't find Lee, but they do come across an item he holds dear to his heart, his favorite yarmulke. It was pretty odd because, I mean, I know the kippah was very important to him, and I know in the Jewish religion itself, I mean, that's kind of like a sacred thing. I mean, I'm not quite sure if it's on the level with like a Torah, but I know that you would never leave a Torah on the ground. The next bit of news was that they had found a note. Beth read me the note, and it was, it was very dire. I know it by heart. It said, my head is too big for my body. Finally, I'll get to sleep. I'm, I'm sorry, Mom, I'm, I'm, that I'm a coward. I love you, Mom, please be happy. I took the note that he had left and I put it right next to my heart because I just wanted him with me. Anything that could bring him closer to me was important to me. Beth had read the note aloud and that's when the worrying shock set in for me. For some, the note seems to have a devastating implication, but not to his mother. That doesn't mean that he committed suicide. I mean, it's it, it just a note, and it's like his feelings that he had a lot of thoughts and he couldn't clear his mind. He always wrote so that he would understand it and other people won't. That was his style of writing maybe getting away would be a, a, a chance for him to get some rest. After five days of searching the river, divers find a pair of khaki pants and a belt slung over a log. They matched what we were told he was last seen wearing. The pants are hanging about eight inches apart from the belt. He was very thin. He was like a size 30 in pants, but he'd like him like size 34s. Lee used to like taking his pants off with the belt on and sliding them off. But the pants and belt are separated. However they got there, investigators are convinced that if Lee has gone into the river, they would find his body. They combed the river. 
They determined he wasn't there because something would have been found. He would have been found. But he is not found, dead or alive. Reluctantly, they call off the search. My opinion that is, if Lee Cutler was in that immediate area, we'd have found him. Detectives are now without answers. The fact that there's no sign of him gives a lot of power to the possibility that he was just trying to set everybody up to let him go. I believe that their search was thorough. I mean, he really was not there. Where Lee Cutler's vehicle was found, that's a state highway, 33, and about seven to 10 miles away is the interstate, I-90-94. It's a possibility he got a ride with a truck driver that was going to someplace. People hitchhike in this area quite often. That's another possibility. He just wanted to get away. Investigators find a clue that Lee may have been imitating an infamous young runaway when he disappeared. In addition to searching the woods and the Baraboo River for Lee Cutler, investigators scour his abandoned car for clues. His parents gave us consent to go in the car, looking for any information that might give us an idea where Lee was at. We found a lot of stuff that I guess a teenager would have in the car. Music, uh, school papers, some clothes in there. We found candy wrappers. And then, officers find a clue to Lee's whereabouts before he arrived near the river in Baraboo. There was a admission-type ticket receipt for Kettle Marine State Park, which is in Wisconsin. I called over there, and it turned out that if you're a Wisconsin resident, it's $7. If you're from another state, it's $10. Well, he just paid 7 Investigators are uncertain if Lee may be traveling with another person, possibly an in-state resident, while no evidence has been uncovered that points to a crime, police still don't know what has happened. A chance of a kidnapping or an abduction is something that has to be ruled out. They find another promising clue, a second receipt. There was a receipt from Walmart in Madison, Wisconsin. The Walmart receipt showed the purchase of the Cortisedon and the Advil PM. Detectives are hoping that they can find surveillance tape from the store that shows if Lee is all right and if he is traveling alone. They hit pay dirt. On Saturday, October 20th, four hours after leaving Buffalo Grove, Lee Cutler is very much alive. On those surveillance tapes, Lee is seen walking out of the store. He was wearing the pants and yarmulke that was located up here at the scene. He was alone at that time. Investigators can now map out Lee Cutler's last known whereabouts. Lee is seen by an attendant at 10 a.m. Saturday at the Speedway Gas Mart in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Three hours later, he is 134 miles due north at the Walmart in Madison. 23 minutes later, he pays the entrance fee at Kettle Moraine Campground, 50 miles east. He then drives 100 miles west to Baraboo, and parks his car near the river. This is no meandering drive. Lee seems to know where he is heading. 
The car is found with the gas tank almost empty, but Lee passed several gas stations on his drive. This might indicate that he planned to leave his car behind. I think it meant to me that he was giving up his car. But it is inside the trunk of the car that police find the most intriguing clue. We found a book that was called Into the Wild. Lee's two favorite books was Into the Wild and Catcher in the Rye. The 1990s bestseller Into the Wild and the timeless classic Catcher in the Rye both portray young men struggling to fit into the world around them and striving to feel comfortable within themselves. That book is uh, about a, a young man that basically cuts his ties with his family and ultimately works his way up into Alaska and goes into a very wilderness remote area. And unfortunately for that young man, he ended up dying up there. They said that they found the book Into the Wild in his car and the similarities were pretty striking. Just that it was this person who was kind of a smart, quiet, adventurous person who one day decides to just take his car and park it somewhere and leave all his worldly possessions and just survive and see what happens. And to me, that's exactly what it looks like. But could Lee make it on his own in the wild? He liked to be outdoors. He was able to survive for himself. I mean, that kid could live off trail mix the rest of his life if he had to trail mix in a bottle of water, even if it wasn't clean. He could make himself a shelter probably out of a leaf and a twig, and he'd be fine. Investigators now believe that Lee has not perished voluntarily or involuntarily in the Baraboo area. Otherwise, they say, they would have found him. So where is he? There's another theory behind Lee's disappearance, connected to his spirituality. Lee's cousin Ross explains that the Jewish Torah is divided into sections, and every section is assigned a calendar day. The section that was assigned for October 20th, 2007, the day that Lee disappeared, specifically urges the faithful to head out on the road. The section of uh, Torah, when Lee left, starts out with the line, Vayomer Adonai el Avram lech lecha me'artzecha me'laditcha me'beita vicha ela aretz asher areka, which means in English, and God said to Abraham, go for yourself from your land, from your family, from the house of your parents to the land that I will show you. This is the line that has always represented the spiritual journey the beginning of finding God is to leave everything that you know behind, to question and to go off into the world. Lee's family says he was observant enough of his religion to have known this section of the Torah was assigned to that day. There's something about driving somewhere and not knowing where you're going to go that has the sense of spirituality and adventure that kind of trusting in God and just getting on the road and going. And I think Lee was really into that. It would have been very possible that he just left everything and walked away. But there is another possibility. Lee's faith could have taken him to an entirely different part of the world.
As the days turn into weeks since Lee's disappearance, more and more theories of his whereabouts come to light. If Lee has not committed suicide, some believe he may have headed off into the wild, or he may have followed God's edict in the Torah to set off on his own to uncover his true spirituality. And there's another possibility. My sister Jordana went to Israel on her own. She was supposed to come back, and she just said she loves it too much, and she stayed. And then she joined the army, the IDF, for three years. And I know that had a strong influence on Leah because he, he also really looked up to the IDFs. The IDF is the Israeli Defense Forces. He came to me, actually it was at this kitchen table. He goes, you know, Penny, can you talk to my mom? I want to go fight in the Israeli army when I graduate in June. Can you talk to her? And I laughed. I said, you know, Lee, my son Stephen is a year older than you. And if he wanted to fight in the Israeli war, I would say, no, <laughs> I don't want you to fight in any war. The Israeli Defense Forces welcomes volunteers and welcomes non-Israeli citizens. When Lee talked about joining the Israeli army, he said he was motivated by the desire to bring peace to the country. What really made me nervous is that because he's a, a, a boy, a man, that he could be involved in combat. And that really um, was heart-wrenching to me. I know that mothers have their kids going way to service, you know, in the United States or in Israel or any country. But the fear of your kid not coming back really upset me. He said, you know, Mom, I'm 18, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and you can't stop me. I said, look, Lee, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. Let's sit down at the computer, and let's look into different programs for you to do. And we sent away for different, you know, information about it, and I never got anything in the mail, which is kind of funny, you know. I mean, Lee would always come home before I would and get the mail, so I, I don't know what happened. Lee's love for Israel started when he went to Cousin Ross's wedding in Jerusalem in 2005. When it comes to Israel, I believe it's like the place that he felt was where he belonged. It is where his home is. He felt like he wanted to join the Israeli army because he wanted to protect Israel and feel a part of it. Detectives have not yet brought the search overseas. But Lee's cousin Jordana is attempting to get the help of Israeli police. I don't know. You know, there's all sorts of theories. I only hope that he's alive. And if he went to Israel, I totally understand. Because it's beautiful there. If he's there, please let his cousins know that he's there. It would be so wonderful for them and for us. If he's anywhere, any place. When the media was contacted locally and nationally, there were a few leads that came in as to sightings of Lee Cutler. There was a possibility that he was found in Nevada. There was a young man sitting there watching these painters paint, and he looked very hungry and very scrawny. I said, okay, if this is true, that maybe he's at some type of a shelter. So I found out where a shelter was in the area, and I gave Beth all the information, and she took it from there, and we, ha we haven't heard anything more. But none of these sightings have been confirmed as Lee. Nothing that we can describe as being advantageous came out of the leads that were called in. 
My biggest fear is that um, I'm gonna, you know, die and not see my son, and that's really upsetting to me. This is one of those incidences that no matter how long of a career you have with our department, it's one that you'll always remember, a missing person that doesn't have a solid conclusion to it. All that is known for sure is that on October 20th, 2007, Lee Cutler disappeared. With $500 and an eye towards the horizon, he could be almost anywhere. From suicidal thoughts, to dropping out of society, to joining the Israeli army, family and friends are left with too many possibilities to handle. Even the detectives don't know what to think. We do not know what happened to Lee Cutler. It's a mystery. Did he do this as a diversionary technique? We don't know. I don't know what he was going through or if something happened to him, but I just, I want Lee home. It's so important. I mean, it, it took a piece of my heart. My husband passed away August 28th. He had a heart attack three days before that, so the oxygen wasn't getting to his brain. And um, Lee doesn't know that. So we have a house in Buffalo Grove with a meaning of it looks beautiful on the outside, but it's not so beautiful on the inside, and it's an empty shell. You know, with all the hope of having a loving, caring family, it just all fell apart. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 